everybody. It's Mindy Linscombe here, your host of the Something New Show, where we like to learn how to live a life worth celebrating. And today I have a special guest flew in from Texas to join us. And I'd like you guys to welcome Miss Meredith Vickers. And we got to know each other through a mastermind that we're in right now of growing our businesses, which is super fun. And before we begin, Meredith, and hear a little bit more of your story, I absolutely want you to hear a little bit about her because I think some of our listeners might have a few things in common with you. So Meredith Vickers is a wife of Jonathan of 25 years. She is a mom to Stephen, Joshua, Braden, and Mimi. Uh, oh, sorry, and a Mimi to Olivia. You're already a grandmother? Yes. Oh, my gosh. I can't <laughs> believe that. Okay, and as the owner of Let Us Do the Cooking in Central Texas, right, premier catering company since 2006, she uses her experience to help others through their through her company, Empowered You. She has successfully built multiple businesses in a variety of industries. She excels in training business owners to motivate teams, put systems and processes in place, and increase profitability with less of their own time. Woo, I love that. Okay, in addition, she mentors and coaches business owners to scale their businesses by hiring and training a team to accelerate growth and impact. Meredith is the owner of Let Us Do the Cooking. Also, um... Tapville Social, Mobile Tap Room, Sweet Bee Gardens Honey, Big Country Beef Jerky, and she's a certified speaker, trainer, and coach with the John Maxwell team. Whoa, that is an amazing bio. I'm like, you have done your work, my friend. You have, you own all these businesses, and I'm thinking probably coached so many other people, not just your industry. And I'm like, how, how did this happen? Tell me just like where the idea came, like I'm going to take my business and now I'm going to actually support all these other businesses. Well, so it came out of pain to begin with, okay. actually, which I think is what motivates so many different entrepreneurs to move into something else. Um, so over the years with, with Let Us Do the Cooking, which is our longest running company, it's, it's our primary, sort of the cornerstone of our, our businesses. Um, we had gone through a, a series of events where we needed to move into a new location and we were growing quickly again and we decided to build out our kitchen and in the process of doing that for a specific contract, the contract fell through. And so we had already spent all of this time, effort and money into this expansion project and we're like, okay, the dollars coming in that were supposed to support that are now gone. What do we do next? And I had been in the process of coaching and mentoring other business owners outside of my industry for a while, and I thought, you know what? I know what I'm doing in this space, and I get phone calls constantly for people who they just need a day a week in a kitchen or they need to rent licensed space for you know a couple days a month or something along those lines and I thought okay if I could bring in some of those businesses to rent space from us from time to time and they need some mentorship in the process then what I'll do is take a percentage of their company they can move into our space and my job will be to be their mentor so that they can operate their business more profitably. So we just kind of started with that model. So you did a rev share? Yeah. yeah. As, as a trade for coaching? Correct. No yeah. payment, just rev share? Yeah. Or payment for the space, well, probably. Yeah, they do pay some rent for the space to help yeah. offset some of our expenses and things. But for the most part, I just take a percentage of the company. And then depending on where they are in their process, obviously determines how much of the company I take based on how much work I'm going to have to do. But for the most part, my work in those companies just is 
let's sit down and let's really get strategic about what we need to do. Let's figure out what team members you need to have. Let's, let's design a plan around the number of hours you're working and where your time is best used in the company versus... I don't need you doing jobs that and, I oh, are $10 isn't that the an truth hour. That, you know? I mean, with all the owners that you and I have probably worked with over the years, isn't it the truth that they are doing so many things that that is not their best use of time? Correct. Like they need to be doing the thing that they're the best at and it's not always running to Costco to get the supplies. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that is just so crazy to me. And then when they have that epiphany of like, oh yeah, I got to It's a real strict habit. It's actually a daily habit of realizing I got to just do what I can do because nobody else can do some of the things that I have to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and that's, we take the model that we built in our catering company, which now my role in that company is literally to talk with my executive management team and make sure that each division of the company is talking to each other. And outside of that, I'm not involved in the day-to-day operations pretty much at all. I There's love it. A couple and what of are events, your, what's your you executive know. team consist of? So I have um, my, my kitchen manager that runs all things food, my office manager who handles invoicing, staffing, and kind of all of the administrative type of things. Then my operations manager who runs our event staff and those teams. And then my bar manager who runs, we, we do separate bar services that were contracted through our city and some things. So he runs all of that. And then they have a team of managers that each work within their specific areas, mostly my operations manager, because obviously our staff, when you get into events, that's where your heavy, heavy staff is. I mean, for people watching and listening, I don't know if they know that you have the biggest catering company in Texas. Yeah. Okay. So how many team members do you have? Right now we have about 120 employees. You guys, that's like insane. (laughs) It's not like you're just like, oh, I kind of like to make my favorite dishes and bring them to people's potlucks. No, you are like legit. I mean, what's the size um, events that you can go up to? So we specialize in events of 500 plus people, but we've done events in like a single meal for about 4,000 is where that goes. Yeah. Okay. My jaw is like 4,000 people and to serve it hot. Yeah. To keep your staff on, on par, well, to not break dishes. To and not- that wasn't, just to give you an idea, so we're, we're outside of Fort Hood, largest military installation in the Absolutely. world, right? So we do a lot of military events. That was a training exercise for soldiers. We were cooking in tents with them while they were in the field, two meals a day for 30 days for 4,000 people. So 30 days of yeah. 4,000 people. Yeah. It wasn't just like a wedding. Oh, no. <laughs> like in and out. Yeah. No, you, you were doing it every day. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So so you're like, hey, I can help others. And then did you feel like the best way to help others would be um, to get some certification? Is that how you linked up with John Maxwell? No, not at all. Actually, the certification was secondary. I linked up with John Maxwell because seven years ago, I was 10 years into the business and I hated it. I was working 80 hours a week. I wasn't even taking a paycheck. I was ready to walk away, and I was just super frustrated and in a really bad place mentally. Yeah. So when I went to John's event, it was because I needed something just to get my head in a positive space. And what a great leader. Right. right? He's I amazing. Mean, he's yeah. the OG. We call him Papa John. <laughs> well, and before all these other brilliant leadership people that are out in the world today, which there are some really great ones. I have some favorites. But um, but John, I feel like, is like the original real person that comes to mind that's like, you know, 40 years ago he was talking about leadership and yeah. that the rise and fall of your company totally depends on leadership. 100%. So you went through his program. I did. And I, so I got certified not even realizing that's what I was going to do. I just thought I was going to get better myself. <laughs> You're like, I just want to be a better leader, <laughs> yeah. okay? I want to not be at my office 
24-7. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And and so that translated into me working with uh, some of his team that wrote a lot of his curriculum, going through some of their programs, flipping my 10-year-old business on a dime and turning it profitable and really recreating the way that our team operated. There were so many things I didn't realize that I had done wrong for so many years. And then once I figured out if I could do that with a 10-year-old company, I could help a lot of other people do the same thing. Then it was like, now I have this newfound kind of mission in my business life. It's not just about my business. Like there are so many small businesses, especially in the brick and mortar space. Absolutely. That are desperate for this information. And if I can find a way to help them. So this is what I believe. I believe that small business owners are the people in a community who when they have time and when they have resources, they volunteer for everything. They serve on the boards. They coach the kids' teams. Like, they're the pillars that make communities thrive across our country. I just got chills. Yeah. Well, but if I'm I... I'm going to cry. I mean, that is so <laughs> my heart, but that is their heart. It is. It's the mom and pop philosophy but and who's caring for our community, the mom and pops. When they're stuck, right, and they have yeah. no time and they have no money, they can't do the things that they would otherwise naturally gravitate towards because they care about their communities. They want to be involved. And, and they're stuck. So it really became this thing for me of like, I, if I can do this, look, I'm, I'm a high school graduate. Like I don't have any formal education in this. I just figure stuff out. So if I can but figure this out. But you've been doing out, it for how many years? 17. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but keep going. A little bit. Yeah. But if I can figure it out, though, and, you know, I think sometimes when you don't realize that turning a 10-year-old company that's already doing significant business and has a lot of employees is hard. But if you can catch them in year two or year three where it's becoming uncomfortable, but it's not like hard yet, then that turnaround is so easy by comparison. And then they can build. And then all of a sudden communities become impacted. And so when, when you take it beyond just the business, which I know we focus like so much on, but when you take it beyond just the business, you really all of a sudden can coach one business owner or really help them with, with what they're dealing with. And then because that business owner gets freed up, you impact an entire community. Wow. Think about that idea, you guys that are listening. I'm like, that is so true because I do think that they would volunteer support, come alongside. And if they didn't have to always be in the nuts and bolts of their business, which to be fair, I also think that there's amazing staff out there that want those leadership opportunities, that want to be more in control, that want to drive that company. And when we are always in everything, we can't release them to do their amazing gift and lead our company well when they have leadership opportunities and they're just feeling like, oh man, I'll never, you know, I'll never amount to anything more than X position because I mean, I'll never be the owner. But if we owners can say, hey, actually, I'm going to grow this up to a place where you can lead it so that I can step away and do more of what I'm called to do. I think that it also provides some great experience and opportunity for all of our team members. It does. Yeah. John Maxwell always talks about the law of the lid. That's one of his laws, right? Why don't you share it for those of us that don't know? So the law of the lid just says that the organization can't grow beyond the lid of the owner. So the owner becomes the ceiling for the organization. And most owners feel like, well, why would I stifle my organization? And they don't realize that they are literally putting a lid on their entire staff and what their capabilities are and what they can really do. And the second they get out of the way, which is not easy, I, and I understand that, it's our baby, right? We know the ins and outs of everything. But once they get out of the way, your leaders emerge. They show themselves. Like, you don't have to go find them. 
they, they will make themselves known. And I tell people all the time, I wish I had, you know, when I teach this part, I wish I could tell you that like I was the poster child for doing this all right, and I totally was not. I did it completely by accident. But once we figured it out, then it was like, okay, this actually works. Now, we, now that we know that it works, even though we stumbled upon it, now we can put some things in place to make sure that I never become the lid that stifles my team again. And our, all of our leaders that have stepped up in that way, and we're in the food service industry, my average team management team member has been with me for over a decade. And that doesn't happen in that industry. And it's just because they know that we are really, really dialed in on what's important to them in their lives, not in work, just in their lives. And right. how do you find that out? So, I, I mean, we just ask. Like, one of the things that we do when we bring people on, once now we do working interviews. So we throw them into an event. We do, too. We see what happens. Oh, yeah, they're on the sales floor. <laughs> Heck, yeah. <laughs> and then once we bring them back in, we're like, hey, you know, how did you feel working with the team? And, and we ask them to evaluate our team, too. So our team always knows that somebody from the outside looking in is watching what we're doing and making sure it works. But once we talk to them, we're like, you know, what's going on in your life right now? Like, I know that you probably need a paycheck to pay bills, but you're not here for a paycheck. So what else is it? What's important? And it could be anything from we've got people who want to save to buy a house. We've got people who just want a car that runs on a regular basis. Others that pick up part-time work with us because they want a great Christmas for their family. I mean, it runs the full gamut. But once we know what's important to them, the big key becomes I can check in on it. How's it going with the house? Uh, we're not really saving. Well, why don't we schedule a time to sit down and talk about what that looks like? And then we can go, okay, do you, do you need help with understanding credit for this process? Do you need help with understanding how much you have to have saved? And then we can take whether, now fortunately with my background, there's a lot I can do with our staff that way, but we have so many resources in our community that I can say, you know what, our city has a first-time home buyers program. There's a class that you can take. Why don't we see when the next class is and let's get you set up for that. You know, there's a lot of different things that we can do just to make sure that our staff understands that they're not there just to fulfill our business needs. They're there to serve our customers and to serve them excellently and to make sure that we as a company stay relevant in our community. But they're there for a purpose. And if we know that purpose and we can support them in that process, well, then they're with us. Because yeah. they just, they we know, call those people lifers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they know that they're valued for different reasons other than just to fulfill get it. this food yeah. out on time, you know? Wow. Okay. So do you have a, a regular check-in amount of frequency that you do? Um, I, it's not scheduled. And okay. now that's part of my personality. So I would tell you, I bring in a leadership consultant to work with my management team. So the things that I do for other people, I bring in the same thing for us. And I don't do that specifically with my team because I'm too close to the situation. So I like to bring in someone from outside. So he will actually check in with them usually every month. But then as I'm, and, and I come and go quite frequently. So as I kind of pop into the building to see what's going on, I just pull people off one aside and say, hey, you know, how, how's the saving for the vacation coming? Do you have the dates on the calendar yet? Where are you going? What are you doing? You know, those kind of things. And so we make it an informal thing, uh -huh. but it's also a regular part of our conversations. I love that. I love that. I think that, um, you know, that's a lot of what we do here. Um, yeah. I, it's a little bit different because we do the scheduled one, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that's just because there's so many um, people close and I just, I do want to make sure they're checked on, but I would ask, um, what are, there's a lot of, I, let me pause. There's a lot of owners 
that are on here that, that have probably asked you, like they've asked me, how do you keep people for so long? Yeah. And then I'm like, well, how much do you care about them personally? And I'm not overly, you know, putting myself in their own personal life. They share what they want to share. Sure. I do ask, though, what would mean a lot to you right now if we hit our goal? Like, what is, what is something that you can celebrate in your personal life from working so hard? Yeah. How can we support you get there? You know? So it's not like I'm getting meddling, like, in their business. But I think it does matter very much to stay engaged with their personal life and where if they're on a high or a low because if we can help or support in ways that they didn't have tools for that's really powerful but um what are some of the other things that you're like oh this would be my favorite thing to help a company with or something I learned from my certification that I'm like oh this is always like a hot one yeah well honestly and it's it it can seem kind of like the boring one but just numbers so many small business owners have no idea I mean they know what's in the bank right? But they don't understand. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, they know what's in the bank. <laughs> but they don't understand why it's there. They don't understand if they can actually spend it. Um, and they don't, you know, so I will, um, one of the companies that I that I have worked with uh, is a company where, you know, I would talk with the other owner and she would just be like, oh, there's money in the bank. It's okay. I, I think we're going to be good. I'm like, no, I don't think. I need to know. We've got to look at these numbers and understand where our costs are. And obviously being in the space that we're in, we have a lot of physical costs that go into the business. Absolutely. And so you can't think of whether or not you can spend the money in the bank account. You have to know what, you know, what your expenses are coming up, what inventory you're going to have to purchase, you know, what staffing you're going to have associated. And so even though it's not like the sexiest conversation to have, at the same time, it is so necessary. And I didn't realize for a lot of years how, even though I understood it, I didn't realize how negligent I had been in like really paying attention to it. And, uh, and so that is one of those things that we dive into. And it, honestly, <laughs> the first conversation is typically pretty painful. But if we can catch it early enough then it, it, we can usually get it sorted out. What would you out. say your top three numbers you look at when you walk into a business? You're like, let me see these three numbers. What would you say? Well, so the first thing is I want to look at a P&L, generally speaking. Right. And the numbers that I want to look at is I look at ratios when, when you're talking about a brick-and-mortar space. So obviously we want to see what the top-line revenue is, but more importantly I want to see what the gross profit is. So that's going to be their the number after their cost of goods and things that they have to purchase to make a sale. Then I want to see what their staffing expenses are as a ratio to that gross profit. Yeah. Those are the big things. What's uh, for what's the kind of percentage of sales have you seen to payroll? <laughs> I well, like in our business, the percentage of sales to payroll, my my team is in trouble if we pass 30%. But I go into a lot of small businesses and honestly, payroll is like 50%, sometimes more. And is that more of a service industry? Um or not no, necessarily. Not necessarily. That's a very high number. It is. But the thing is, is that as soon as they feel a pain point, they're like, well, I have to hire somebody. And they don't think about what they could outsource and just contract in. So they just hire a new person. Or figure out the problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, let me figure out how to do that. Yeah. You know? No, so I, I always say the best entrepreneurs are the people that think everything is figure outable. Oh, yes. And that's totally Marie's quote yeah. in her book title. But I mean, when I really think back to before that even book came out years ago, like I literally would say, well, I'll figure it out. Like mm-hmm. I will just figure that out. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I'll figure it out. And and every obstacle, because we didn't have money for payroll at the time, 
We just had to figure it out. So if we're putting a Band-Aid on solutions with hiring more people, then we're going to have a business that runs out of money very quick. Right. It creates so many more problems than it solves. Yes. Yeah. 50%. Oh, I've seen I mean, I can only see that in my mind working if it was um, a service industry and you didn't have cost of goods, right? Like a massage place or, you know, something like that where you're like, okay, well, my product is the service, which I have to pay a person for. But anybody selling a product, I mean, tell the listeners your max that you're like, hey, this would be like the max I would spend on payroll. 30%. 30%. 30%. For us, that is our max. And and we factor payroll in two different areas because we have our full-time salaried staff, which we're very abnormal in our space to have people on salary. That's not usual. But we have our full-time salaried staff, and then we have our event staff that just comes into work, you know, evenings, weekends, part-time, this. And so we, on our invoices, we charge a service charge, like most restaurants and catering operations do. Yeah, yeah. And so my office manager who does all of the scheduling just knows that the service charge that we have to charge for an event, every single hourly person who works that event, their percentage cannot exceed what we charge in that service charge. And if it go, if their dollars for that event go over what we charge, then we're in trouble and we've got to come back. And we check that every single week so that if, if we see it start to tick up at all, we can dial it back in really fast. That's a brilliant tip. Yeah. So for those of us listening, I'm like, you just gave a, a good golden nugget, <laughs> Meredith. Okay. And then um, let's talk about your kind of next season. What's your, what are you dreaming about, Meredith? Oh, next season is, is, um, is exciting. So I don't get me wrong. I love the work that we do, but I, but I am, can tell you're a dreamer and uh, an entrepreneur. So you're <laughs> like, okay, check. I figured this out. Now right. what's the next thing? So the next thing is actually a, an exciting new program, uh, which is I'm going to be teaching people how to take their signature dish. So if someone who loves to cook and loves to serve, thinking about where I was 17 years ago, where I just cooked food for everyone because they called and said they needed it, you know, what's your signature dish? And Oh, so mine is, well, my signature signature is my cheddar sour cream biscuits, but our most popular dish that I used to serve was our blackened chicken penne alfredo with a tomato cucumber and red onion salad and the cheddar sour cream biscuits. And that meal it, to this day is still one of our absolute most popular dishes. But your favorite is the cheddar biscuit. Oh, that's, that is what I became absolutely known for. I am so glad there is no kitchen here for you. (laughs) I mean, there is a kitchen, but not like a stove. Yeah. Because that would not help me with my diet right now. But it sounds delicious. Of course, you're from Texas. Biscuits. That's (laughs) like your favorite thing. Okay. So anyway, so you want to help others take their signature dish and... And turn it into, we're we're calling it a six-figure side hustle. But basically, if you think about that person who loves to cook and loves to serve, and they already know the logistics of it, right? But they don't necessarily think they can start a business doing it. Well, I did from my home 17 years ago while my husband was deployed to Iraq and I was six months pregnant with our youngest son. Which, like, thank you, is military yeah. wife. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. And, um, and so the thing is, is that what I'm doing is basically giving them everything that I wish I would have known 17 years ago, just to simplify the process. And that being said, I did from the time that I started it only took me about six months to do those six figures. So I know it's possible. In fact, it's even more possible now than it was then because I did that charging like five ninety five a plate. It was 17 years ago. Um, so what I want to do though is just help them say like, okay, you know what? I can be a mom at home. My, my youngest son, after I had him, his playpen was literally in my kitchen, right? So he was, he was stuck by my side. I was making deliveries, pushing his stroller and the food in the other hand, you know? And, um, 
And so I want to help them be able to just take that thing and go, you know what, I'm really good at this and I really love doing this. If I could bring in an extra income to my household doing it, that would change the game for us. So what is, um, what is a way we can reach you? Um, so probably the easiest way is going to be through uh, just an email. So it's Meredith, M-E-R-E-D-I-T-H, at MPoweredU. And so it's the letter M, powered, Y-O-U.com. And um, we're going to be setting up a, a free five-day challenge here next month. So if you want to email me and just say, count me in for the challenge, uh, then, you know, we can make sure that we get that information to you. Uh, and all the details will be coming out on that very soon. But in that challenge, they're going to learn the basics of what they need to know to get this process started. And then they can decide whether they want to do it themselves or they want us to come alongside and help them in the process. That is so awesome. I'm thinking of all the people out there that are like, I'm really good at cooking. And, and it doesn't sound like they have to have a huge menu. No, not at all. In fact, huge menus are a bigger detraction than they are an attraction just because one of the biggest things in food, and, and this is you know just a quick side tip, is the bigger your menu is, the more ingredients you have to have, the higher your costs become, so your profit margins go down. What you ideally want to do is have a few fantastic things that share a lot of the same ingredients. That way you can buy them in bulk. You don't have to have 50 different things. You have to have 10 things that you know how to use really, really well. And it keeps your cost down, increases your margins, and you know those things in and out so you can do them in your sleep. What's an ideal starter menu entree count for a brand new person? It's like, I love to cook. I want to start to, you know, do the teacher yeah. lunches and the blah, blah, blah. What would you say? No more than four or five. Four or five yeah, no more. meals, and then they can choose from the four or five, mm -hmm. and people go to you because you're the go-to person exactly. on that dish. Yep. Interesting. I love hearing about this. Well, I'm excited about your next endeavor Thank you. because I do think there's some people out there that want a six-figure side hustle, <laughs> and um, there are tools in their kitchen, literally, yeah. that can help them get there. And so anybody listening thinking, hey, I love to cook. I don't want to make money at it. I would definitely say Empowered You is the way to find you. And they should check that out because this could be the beginning of their journey. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. Well, we're going to have you introduce us not to your um, favorite entree, even though I'm kind of wishing I tried those biscuits. <laughs> um, what, what drink is your favorite drink today? Uh, so very simple. Okay. Coffee with cream. Coffee with cream. Okay, well, we're going to bring it out, and we're going to do a good old cheers here. Thank you, Meredith, for being on our show. Cheers. 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 It's great to have you. And thank you guys for joining. If you are liking this content and enjoying all the tips, please subscribe and comment below. We want to hear more from you. And we love being on this journey with you together to learn how to live a life worth celebrating. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the show, rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, follow The Something New Show on Instagram and Facebook. If you want a fuller experience, watch the show on YouTube to help you create a life worth celebrating.